Welcome to Public Power Underground After Dark, a less serious, more happy hour-ish version of Northwest Public Power's premier weekly infotainment program, Public Power Underground. I'm Paul Dockery, the manager of the Power Department for Clouds Canine People's Utility District, the creator and co-host of Public Power Underground, and I'm broadcasting live from Buckle or Brackenberry Hollow. It's had several names. We're currently on Brackenberry Hollow. It's a hobbit hole. And it was both a massive folly and an amazing play place for my kids. I'm also joined by possibly some hobbits in the hobbit hole. <laughs> this is Aaron Guillory, the star of Aaron Reports, co-star of Public Power Underground and current financial analyst for Classic and I PUD. And I'm coming live from Forest Park. And I am Ian Bledsoe, the current power analyst for Klatskin IPUD and the avatar of chaos. And nice. I just want to remind everybody that Paul loves it when you send uh, messages through Zoom. It just makes his day. So send as many as you can, please. It may bother his OCD. Um, so in today's bonus episode, which also serves as a season two finale, we're turning up turning down the seriousness, we're turning up the fun in an After Dark mailbag episode with a Northwest celebrity who agreed to answer all of our public power and public power adjacent questions, knowing full well they will be deeply personal and occasionally inappropriate. Throughout her career, she has been straightforward and open in her communications and conversations because that's her style. And we expect this episode to go no differently, especially because she's recently announced her retirement from her current role as the Chief Energy Officer of the of Eugene Modern Electric Board. Please welcome an avid supporter of Public Power Underground from the beginning, a best friend of the underground and returning champion, Susan Ackerman. Susan, welcome to Public Power Underground. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. I love what you guys do. It makes me feel old, but uh, I'm really... <laughs> I'm really <laughs> glad to be here again. Thank you for think, inviting me. I think it should make you feel in the know because I suspect most of the things we talk about you are like, yeah, of course, resource adequacy is beneficial to the region. Why do they uh, keep talking about it? You're in the know. <laughs> we'll, we'll catch you later on those cultural references you were talking about before, uh, Paul. Yeah, I do. We'll I do sometimes out. worry. In the know I am sometimes worry about the cultural references and that whether it's at all appropriate for the underground. I have to say, Susan, I have a hundred percent appreciated your support. The notes you gave us in like the early, early underground days are the only reason we're still doing this <laughs> and didn't quit in like November. Well, thank you for telling me that Paul, but I got to tell you, I think you guys rock and roll. I really do. And I, I just think this is so amusing and clever. And I'm just simply not used to the utility industry being this hip. So thank you very much for, for doing it. It really helped keep our my attention anyway throughout the long COVID year. Thank you very much. And that really was the purpose, right? Because we're a community of public power and the community of public power was dispersed in COVID as with all of the communities, right? It's a really hard time. And this was an opportunity to try to gain some connectivity. So that's why we're doing it. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you being willing to come on early um, and also the support because uh, sometimes it feels like screaming into the void, doesn't it, Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a much different vibe right now. <laughs> <laughs> So Susan, after I pitched this mailbag episode to you, 
I reached out to a lot of our mutual friends in the region to see if the, anyone would want to join in this happy hours version. Ultimately, I had to cap the invite because of the overwhelming response. So in the interest of time, and in true public power underground fashion, we decided we should do an Aaron Reports. And I think we're doing it an Aaron Reports, the world season finale, season two finale lineup. Are we doing a lineup? <laughs> And to like baseball fashion, we're doing a World Series lineup. It's going to oh be great. Oh my gosh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, let's lean into it. Okay, go for it, Guillory. Hey, this is Aaron Reports, the season two World Series lineup where we try to get up to speed on Northwest celebrities joining us after dark on May 26, 2021. I'm Aaron Guillory, and I've got your lineup intros for season two PPU World Series. Karen Heim of Public Power Council fame and Public Power Underground Infamy is joining us to provide incredible banter and wit like so many prior appearance, appearances, a true podcast ace. She's the publisher of Wire to Wire and office administrator for PPC and the honorary editor-at-large for the underground. Representing another prominent trade organization in the Northwest is Teresa Hampton. This is Teresa's first appearance on, public, on, on, uh, on the underground and the public generating pool's second. Teresa is PGP's executive director, a member of the Western Energy Imbalance Markets Governance Review Committee, and we're hoping her PPU rookie status won't last long and that she'll take an honorary title from Public Power Underground at some point. Maybe the team can brainstorm that tonight. Making our way around the horn, we're heading south to Susan's own home field, Eugene Water and Electric Board. We're joined by both the best friend of the underground and anadromous champion, Matthew Shretnik, and uh, newly promoted energy resources manager, Megan Capper. Matt is Eweb's Power Resources Council and the Underground's special salmon war correspondent, but you're off duty tonight, Matt, so no salmon warring and no lawyering tonight, please. Next at bat, we have Humira Falkenberg, the, uh, the only returning After Dark alumni, a similarly enthusiastic uh, public power advocate and the power resource manager for public utility district number two, of Pacific County, Washington. Taking a debut appearance on the Underground is our special Please Be Our Friend correspondent and formal general counsel for Northwest Requirements Utilities, Betsy Bridge. Betsy, similar disclaimer to Matt, please no lawyering on the podcast tonight, but even if you do, there will be no interference from us because we're so excited to have you. We're just going to put this out there and see what happens though. Feel this with me, executive producer of Public Power Underground. Just kind of feel that out, see how that feels. <laughs> Speaking of feelings, Crystal Ball joins us as a Ted Lasso, Walt Whitman, and maybe even Brene Brown expert. We just guessed Brene Brown. We love Brene. Crystal is BPA's Fish and Wildlife Program Director, a returning guest on the underground. And to finish out the rule of three, a public power MVP we're recruiting to be the brand manager of public power underground. Surprise. The Aaron reports the World Series lineup walk-off goes to another awesome co-host that needs no introduction if you're a regular listener to the public to the Public Power Underground, our special all the topics she's willing to talk about correspondent, Megan Stratman. Megan's day job is as NRU's Rates and Policy Director, but this is an After Dark episode, so standard disclaimers apply. If you didn't realize it, every episode of The Underground comes with disclaimers at the end, making clear that the views expressed here are our own and not the official views of Classic and IPUD, nor any person or organization affiliated or doing business with Classic and IPUD, nor the organization of the guests also appearing on Public Power Underground. After Dark is uh, a disclaimer plus the addition of an explicit flag on the podcast shield. That's all we've got for this update. Back to you, Paul. Thanks for the update, Aaron. Susan, Susan, what do you think of our World Series 2 finale lineup? What do you think of our lineup? Do we have a chance for the championship? You're already there. 
you yes. you're past the playoffs, you're oh. heading into the seventh game of the series. This is fantastic. So in the World Series, I am not a baseball person. What do you win in the World Series? Is there a belt? Is there a cup? Is there a trophy? What's the World Series thing? Well, you do get a cup, but it's it's not nearly as elegant as this. <laughs> there is this really important guy known as the commissioner of baseball, and he comes out and he hands over a beautiful trophy, not nearly as impressive as this Yeti cup, candidly, but still it's pretty impressive. And then that the baseball team that wins gets the bragging rights that they won the world series. They're the best of the world, right? I love it. I love everything about that. I love that you have a cup that's the public power underground after dark cup. Bam! For electric utility enthusiasts, one of one, Susan. That is a big honor. I hope you appreciate it. Oh, I do. I, I want to do a production note for our World Series lineup. Even though Aaron has reported that you are present, remember you do not exist in this auditory world until you have spoken. And there is a limitation on how you enter our auditory landscape. It's something I've discovered through the consumption of many podcasts. To enter the world, you need to either introduce yourself, like we all do at the BPA workshops or at a PPC call, um, or you need someone who is firmly rooted in the auditory world to introduce you. The people, the primary characters in this world are Susan, Ian, Aaron, and I, who were introduced at the beginning. We're the lodestones that can guide you in. Um, so it's a really big obligation for Susan, Aaron, and I. Uh, so take it seriously, Susan, uh, Aaron, and Ian. Uh, take it seriously, okay? Be careful with who you uh, bring into our auditory world. Um, you got it. <laughs> with that production note settled and the auditory landscape set, we're going to start with a lightning round. The lightning round is just meant to be some quick questions. We get us all warmed up. We're going to have some people ask some questions, enter the auditory landscape. And the first one to enter this auditory landscape, it's going to be Karen. Karen, hey, welcome Paul. to the underground. Oh, I'm so excited to have Thank you. Thank you. you After have... dark. Excited to be here. After dark. After dark. Uh, do, you, do you have an audit, uh, a lightning round question for Susan? I do. I am Karen Heim, and I have the first lightning round question that no one on Public Power Underground has ever been asked. Do you, Susan, support federal legislation that would allow Oregon, Washington, and I guess California to transition to daylight savings time all the time and forever rid ourselves of the scourge of seasonal time change? 100%. My only question is, does Congress actually have to be involved in this? We've got three states with initiative processes lined right up, bing, 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 you know? We could go on ourselves. I hate to think of anything going to Congress, frankly, so, but yes. Let's do it. The scourge of seasonal clock change. The scourge. It's a scourge. I do believe after having done hours of research on this topic that it does take congressional action because we have the option under the, oh, what's the standard time code? I don't know. There was some law and you have the option of being on standard time all the time or switching to daylight savings time. So if you want to be on daylight savings, uh, this is, uh, there's a rabbit hole. We have a whole episode on it. I don't Yeah, well, you're already in a hobbit hole, Paul. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already in a hobbit hole. But I really support your enthusiasm. Um, Karen, I don't think you've ever answered. You have. You were the first to answer this question. That was the first one you asked me. (laughs) I feel like I've come full circle, really. (laughs) Oh, oh, such fond memories. I know, exactly. So I'm glad you let me ask it. Okay. And that I'm, Susan answered correctly so we can continue on and not just end this right now. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have been a really short after dark episode if she exactly. would have answered that in a different way. Um, Karen, you're now part of our auditory landscapes. So you can stick around. You can I, banter, I guess I'm here. You can, here you, I am. You can feel free to interject at any point. The next person, I'm going to ask Megan Capper. Megan, you, you want to you wanna enter this landscape, please? Oh, I absolutely do. And I want you, Susan, not to think very hard at all about this. Here comes the second lightning question. What topic could you give an off-the-cuff 30-minute lecture on anywhere, anytime, with no preparation necessary? Well, first of all, Megan, I just want to tell you that not thinking hard is a real skill I have. But um, <laughs> I would say it's how and why everyone should travel outside the United States. That'd be an easy one for me to talk about for 30 minutes. That's a good one. No preparation required. You'd say something like um, your football, how much you really love football. Can't you talk about that? You hate football. <laughs> are you asking me, Megan? I'm, I've lost the thread of where we are already. See, you can all say go boomer and turn off now. <laughs> Next. No, what's yours, Megan? Do you have a lightning round or a 30 minute, 30 minute question you could answer or a topic you could talk about for Any, 30 minutes? Anything that I don't know anything about, I could probably talk a long time about. I so feel like you going. could talk about like electric utility business for 30 minutes, like just Absolutely. off the cuff, just off the cuff. Yep. Love it. You are, you are now in the auditory landscape. Welcome, welcome, Megan. This is so good. exciting. Thanks. Um, I, I'm really honored, really honored to introduce both to Public Power Underground's auditory landscape and just back into like, you know, this Zoom with all of us. Betsy, Betsy Bridge, please take it away. Thank you, Paul. It is so wonderful to see all of these faces. Like you collected most of my favorite people from Public Power and it is wonderful to see you all and also to have adult conversation. Um, <laughs> so I'm really excited about the question that I get to ask Susan because this is one that we are constantly pondering in our, in our own home. So um, this lightning round question actually came from, um, actually came from the mailbag. It comes from eWeb's own senior energy resource analyst, Ben. He asked, what is it going to take to get you to trade in the Subaru Crosstrek and drive off the lot in an EV today? I don't think I ever will get rid of the, the uh, cross trek. I'm serious. It's a brand new car. It's only a 2017. This is totally a utility metaphor, guys. If you take care of it, it'll last for a long time. But if I can say something that maybe will satisfy those of you who are totally into electric stuff, I did just acquire an electric bike. And so I'm hoping to park this Subaru cross trek as much as I can and take my bike. So that's my response. Ben, that is a no, no F-150 for you? <laughs> no F-150? <laughs> so sorry, I, I, you know, to me, that's just, there are only certain people who drive big vehicles like that. I'm not one of them. That's why I've got a Subaru Crosstrek. <laughs> I really like how you like lean, you went to the electric bike, not an electric vehicle. It's it, is Eugene rubbing off on you. Like that's very Eugene. I feel like Portland has those too. They're great. I know, but it feels very Eugene. Is that very Eugene or uh, <laughs> am I going to cut this in post? Because that's not an appropriate thing to say. 
I think it's very Eugene if it gets stolen right after she buys it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Betsy. I want you to know that 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 bike is actually in Bend, which is where I'll be moving in about a month and a half. Oh, beautiful. Uh, And I I decided to go with the electric bike because I am a boomer after all. (laughs) And there are lots of hills around Bend and I expect to be going up them and I'm going to need the assist. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you'd be embarrassed to say that. As, I think it's uh, just a smart me, decision. It is. It's just smart. It's just smart. I really, uh, seems like a very utility response as you led with. So thank you. <laughs> a long career in utilities uh, leads you to utility responses, it looks like. <laughs> next up, next up, Crystal Ball. Please, please come in. Please come in. Join us. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm so excited to be back. Uh, I'm like Betsy. This is... These are my favorite people all on the screen right here. And I haven't seen some of you for so long. Um, and Susan, we go back so long ago. Um, I just remember being in Washington, D.C. with you and uh, talking uh, to Senator Murray about RTO West. And that's like some of my fondest memories of working in the D.C. office were being with you. Um, so thank you for having me here. Um, I think I get to ask the first pop culture question. (laughs) Are you ready for this, Susan? I'm ready. I think Paul thinks that we've all been sitting around watching TV during the pandemic, but let's go with this. (laughs) The question, Ted Lasso from Ted Lasso, Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec, or Chidi Anya Gagne, from the good place. Now, I realize this is not structured as a question. You just gotta pick one. And Susan, you gotta start your response with a great question. That's a great question, Crystal Ball. <laughs> let me say, let me say um, Ted Lasso from Ted Lasso. And I'll explain all the cultural problems later on. But Susan, I think you could be Leslie Nope. <laughs> I would have to Google her first. <laughs> I think, don't you oh, think it's worth man. the Google, Crystal? She should Google. It is so worth the Google because she's it like is. the deputy director of parks. I will Google her. I want you to know that 10 or 15 years ago, I had to Google Lady Gaga because I heard <laughs> everyone talking about her. I had no idea who Lady Gaga was. And oh so my I had gosh. To Lady Gaga. So I Google all of these cultural references. I feel like I was just Googling that. My generation, but. No, I was going to say, I feel like I just Googled that last week, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Aaron, don't you think, don't you think like Leslie Nope is something, we should clarify, it's a fictional character, unlike Lady Gaga. And it's worth it, right, Aaron? Like this is Leslie Nope. Oh, so good. Played by Amy Poehler. They took it off Netflix and I, you know, it was like a very like informal, uh, what do you call it when you, I want to say ban, you know, rage against the machine. Yeah. Like you avoid something because you're, (laughs) I can't think of the word. You're saying you canceled it. Yeah. I just stopped watching Netflix for for a good while. (laughs) Cancel culture. Yeah. (laughs) probably going to get cut uh but that uh, i think you were you're going with a boycott i believe boycott, boycott. Is the actual word yes you're looking for. yeah yep there you go 
All right, let's um, cut all of that, all of my section. All, all of it. <laughs> Parks and Rec, though, Susan. Have you watched Ted Lasso yet, Susan? No. Okay. I, I talk about Ted Lasso only because I know he's kind of a spirit animal for the public power underground. You guys talk I would about say. it all the time, so I cheated and just picked Ted Lasso because I knew it you would know. impress you. But no, that's I've just never... really good emotional intelligence. <laughs> that's just really good emotional intelligence. Way to read the room, um, so... <laughs> so Crystal. Crystal, since Susan doesn't know who any of these people are, I want you to answer this. Which Ted Lasso from Ted Lasso, Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec, or Chidi Anagane from The Good Place? Which Which do you think? Uh, for me. Yeah, you got to answer. Leslie Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Leslie Note may have been the original Ted Lasso. I really want to say that. Okay. It's like the later seasons of of Parks and Rec. You get this like, oh, it's 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 really good stuff. Anyway, do we spend too much time on this pop culture reference? Or well, you got we should have one yes, more thing here with Leslie Note. I mean, she's the deputy director at a government agency. So it, it has to be me. <laughs> That's why I thought it would be Susan. <laughs> So there's no, in this cultural reference, there's no questions about PBS series, like those great British crime dramas that everyone must watch. Hey, <laughs> None of those. Got, Thank you, Humaira. Like, I'm always looking. If you have some good recommendations, I am not opposed to getting a good recommendation from you, Susan. Endeavor. Okay, Endeavor. We're writing it down. We're gonna we're gonna pivot. I'm coming to you, Therese, next. Welcome to Public Power Underground, Therese. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All it took was saying Susan Ackerman was involved, and I was quick to say yes. It was like I sent you a note said Susan Ackerman's doing it in a mailbag. Will you, I mean, yes, yes, I will. I'm I in. did. Yes. Do you have uh, wonderful things to say about Susan uh, before we get to the lightning round question? Because I feel like uh, I want to hear if you have anything oh. wonderful to say about Susan. Yeah, I do have wonderful things to say about Susan. One of the things I love about Susan is her candor. Um, so you don't have to wonder kind of where she stands on an issue, right? She'll she'll be happy to tell you and she'll give you her perspective, which that I, I always appreciate, right? I think we don't make progress unless we're kind of getting everything out in the middle of things and being sure we can talk about it. So that's, I, I love that about Susan. So okay. should I think of Teresa? I just want to say, oh, I just want to say though that the reason I have to I speak clearly is because I'm not deep enough or sensitive enough to think of a subtle way of asking questions. So if I were a bit smarter, I would not be so clear and direct. So, but thank I, you, I, Therese. That's a great. I don't think you should undersell yourself like that. I don't think so at all. <laughs> and very, uh, very thoughtful, very informed, and and to the point. It's good. Helps move Great. things along. It is in the self-deprecating humor. Uh, love yeah. it. Uh, but probably, you know, at the end of your career, let's uh, yeah, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it, Susan. It's good. Great. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> so, Therese, what's your lightning round question? Yes, I have a mailbag question. It comes from PPC Scott Sims, who asks. If we went through a time warp backwards and you were reincarnated as one of America's baseball Hall of Famers, who would that player be? A Hall of Famer? 
Mm -hmm. So we're ruling out Pete Rose is what you're saying. We're going to rule out Pete Rose. You know, I would have to say Ted Williams. He's a great American, a great ball player. If I could come back as Ted Williams, that would make me profoundly happy. Great. great. Good pick. So Tell for us a those little of bit us, more about Ted. What, what is yeah. it about him? Yeah, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about baseball. So just like he played for the Mariners, he played for a baseball team in Red a Sox city. mostly. So the Red he played Sox for the Red Boston. Sox mostly. He is one of the greatest generation, you know, that World War II generation. And he started his ball career, his professional career in 1939. Uh, and then uh, became like almost automatically one of the greatest hitters ever. Uh, and then he got pulled into World War II. He served three or four years uh, in Europe during World War II. Came back to the United States, went straight back to his baseball career as though nothing had happened. Became a great ball player. He left again and went back into the service for the uh, Korean War. Came back, played ball until 1969. And this is the thing that I was found so impressed about him is when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he was one of the few people at the time who, who stood up and in his speech said, listen, all those great ball players from the Negro, Negro Leagues, you know, the Negro Ball Leagues uh, like uh, Satchel Page, they should be in the Hall of Fame because the only reason they're not here is that we excluded them from being eligible. Now that is a great American. And I'm sorry to get all serious on you guys, but that was, he's, he's a, a stud. Absolutely. It feels really appropriate for you to pick him. That's great. Mm -hmm. Next though, we're going to the Ted Williams of public power. I'm just, I, it was a segue. I went for it, Matt. It was a segue. It was there. I went for it. <laughs> Matt, Matt, you're up next. Welcome, welcome to the underground. Uh, no salmon war jokes here. Uh, Many uh, of all the titles that I that I expected to be mentioned today, that was certainly not one of them. So thank you for that. I I got to say I've never struggled more with being quiet for a half hour in a public meeting. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm glad to no longer have to communicate in emojis. Um, uh, hi, everybody. Um, so this is Matt Shretnick. Uh, I've been told to uh, remind everybody it's pronounced uh, Shretnick. Um, and my lightning round question comes from uh, Clark Public Utilities, Dan Bedbury. Um, Dan asks, Susan, and I'm going to preface this by saying uh, I will offer no follow-up questions and ask for no justifications for your response. Uh, if Shretnick and Capper were to arm wrestle, who would your money be on? Literal arm wrestling would definitely be on you, Matt, if we're talking about literal arm wrestling. <laughs> As I said, answer, no Susan. justification, no follow-up questions. I'd ask that we move on now. Yeah. Okay. Humira. <laughs> Humira, welcome back to Public Power Underground. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. And uh, it's such a pleasure to be back um, and to be back amongst this incredible cast of characters who I absolutely love and adore. I mean, I feel like this is the PPC meeting after hours and I'm hanging out with all my friends and talking shop. And um, it's such, it's just such a pleasure to be here this evening. Um, and so I'm so pleased. And so thank you. Um, so I have a lightning round question for Susan um, that has to actually do with 
jobs in public power. And you know, Susan has been such a remarkable mentor to so many individuals in public power in her entire career. So this question is really appropriate for Susan. And Susan, I'm curious to know which are, in your opinion, the three best jobs in public power. So if you could counsel uh, us individuals or rising stars, what would be the three best jobs in public power, Susan? Well, Humaira, thank you so much. I just have to say that that's like asking a parent to choose their favorite child. And the truth is we all know that there is no bad job in public power. They're all wonderful, right? Well, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't choose the three best. If I had to, I would say my job. I've always had the best job, period, always. I'm sorry, Susan, that's wrong. Uh, the three best jobs in public power are Ian Bledsoe's, Aaron Guillory's, and what used to be Brian Foster's job, but we'll say the data specialist. The three best jobs in public power are working for me, right? Anything that's not digging a ditch, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I, I totally diverted that. That was a very good answer. It is like kids. Uh, it is like kids. I love my job, too. We all love our jobs. It's a great industry to work in. Come work in public power. It's a great place to work. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're a nerd, right? And I know I'm looking at all the faces on this screen and you all are nerds. True. God love you. Why, thank you. <laughs> I am too. But, you know, if you, if you are attracted to obscure topics, there's no end to obscure topics that you can dive deep on in, in the utility industry. So it's, it's great work. Come yes. join us. Especially yeah, younger work. people. We really need young people to come in, like all of you. This is we probably are. the reason why this is a mutual admiration society here. <laughs> as far as obscurity, I mean, you can't really be a nerd as well without electricity. The internet doesn't exist without electricity. This video game I'm playing right now doesn't exist without electricity. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Yeah, it is after hours. You know, if you want to play a video game, you go for it. Absolutely. Uh, up next, I'm welcoming into our auditory landscape, Megan Stratman. Megan, welcome back. Hey, so happy to be here. Thanks, Paul. Hi, everybody. So good to see Hi, you Megan. all. Um, I'll skip all the like small talk because everyone already covered it all, but it is good to see everybody. Okay, Susan, your self-reported three favorite songs are Why Don't We Start From Here? by Lucy Spragon, Closer to Fine by the Indigo Girls, and When I Die by Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Tears, by the way, I love that song, in one sentence or less, but you're a lawyer, so that could be like a full paragraph, but <laughs> and by the way, how I you did not ban Susan from being a lawyer on this show like you banned Matt and Betsy, so I just have to put that out there. Susan can so be Susan, whatever she wants to be. Go ahead and do a paragraph long sentence. Bonus points if you can do that. Uh, what do these three songs say about you? Well, you could look at it as an arc, you know, a kind of a historical arc with the first one being the most recently popular one, but it sure suited my personality when I was young. With the, the Indigo Girls one, which I think is fabulous, is is very much 
indicative of my life and career as an adult. And the last one is Looking Forward, but I think if you listen very carefully to all the lyrics, you'll discover that what I said earlier is true. I'm just not a very deep thinker. I think that's the answer. I think that, if I may uh, interject, and I apologize for having done so already, uh, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway, uh, that was the only wrong part of that answer, because that was literally the perfect answer up until that point in time. Obviously, you are a deep thinker. You give me three songs or ask me to name three songs about myself, I'm not going to come up with something like an arc. That was, that was brilliant. Sorry. I'll stop now. Thank you, Matt. Okay, that was a great lightning round. We all got introduced to the auditory landscape. Y'all can comment whenever you feel like it now because we know your voices. We're going to move on to a mailbag. So we uh, we sent out a bunch of notes through Public Power, asked for some questions from all our listeners. We were looking for Public Power and Public Power adjacent questions. We picked the best ones out of our uh, that our cast of characters is going to ask you. I will note that you aren't safe cast of characters or uh, World Series lineup. This is a great pivot at the last moment, World Series lineup. Uh, from me following up with you, uh, it's, it's, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna probably be messy and we're gonna make it through all of it. So Matt, we're turning it to you. Kick off the mailbag. Thank you very much, Paul. All right, now the question I'm asking once again comes from the Director of Energy Resources at Clark PUD, Dan Bedbury. Dan asks, now, Susan, I'm going to set the stage here, okay? Now, it's November 2024. Governor Kate Brown has just won the White House, all right? Northwest energy markets are an absolute mess. Now, you have been invited to speak at the December PPC annual meeting. Your PowerPoint is entitled, I Told You So. Susan, what is your presentation about? Well, my presentation is really about... Um, I guess I would want to make the point that congratulations for being president of the, of the United States. I would never have guessed that. All that aside, the next point I want to make is you need to remember that the grid does not respect your political ideology. And that is true on both sides of the aisle, whether you're very conservative or whether you're very liberal. The grid has got its own laws. They're called the laws of physics, and there's only so much you can do to influence that. So that would be my speech. Susan, uh, as from PBC, can I dissuade you from having a PowerPoint for our meeting, which is actually in November, Paul? So <laughs> I, I, well, you technically, Dan's at fall, not fall, oh, but well, I, fair I point. Guess that's true. I'll get Dan on that, but I know, I'm just totally kidding about that. <laughs> do you not want PowerPoints, Karen? What do you have against PowerPoint? <laughs> I don't have anything against PowerPoints. I just have the issues against technology issues, which inevitably happen at our <laughs> annual meeting. So. I stand behind Karen's call out. I mean, you were yeah. very specific about how these <laughs> questions would be filtered, Paul. <laughs> I'm just looking out for number one right here. So. <laughs> Obviously, I support it. Anybody else have an I told you so presentation, uh, not in PowerPoint, just maybe in PDF. Is that okay, Karen, if they do it in PDF? PDF Anybody else have an I told you so that they're willing to share? Hugh Myra, do you have anything? What would you do? Oh, I thought you might call on me. I look so, let's see, culpable of what I told you so story. <laughs> However, uh, it would be too impolite to share an I told you so story. 
Um, but suffice it to say, I'm going to pivot and take this opportunity to actually bring the conversation back to Susan. <laughs> um, you know, you I've known I told Susan. You so <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's usually like 6, 6.30 in the morning when we're messaging each other. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I told you stories, uh, stories. However, it is a pivot about Susan. Um, I've known Susan for over 15, almost 20 years. And um, during the course of those years, um, you know, I really have looked up and admired Susan for her leadership and pithy comments at PPC meetings and her smart and funny um and just honest observations. Um, and Susan is also amongst the ranks in women in public power of Jean Reichman, Wyla Wood, Jerry Leone, Nancy Baker, Vicki Van Sant, Anita Decker. And, um, you know, to see uh, Susan um, going to enjoy her life in retirement, uh, and it certainly will not be a retirement, um, is wonderful. And it leaves so much inspiration and aspiration for the rest of us here. And Susan, I just wanna take this moment to give a toast, an adult beverage toast to you. So here, here, Susan. <laughs> Thank Cheers. you. Thanks you're so welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. So that's my I told you so story, Paul. The best oh, I told you so story. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I was just going to say, you know, um, I, I, you know, since to build on Humara's gushing here for a second, I've learned so much from the women in public power on, on my screen right now. You know, that in and of itself is something I'm exceptionally grateful for, including Susan, but also including literally everybody else on the screen. Um, I, I think most recently, Aaron, simply because of the uh, the podcast that we're all on right now, but uh, everybody else is included there as well. So thank you all. Um, so up next, up next, we're going to you, Therese. Uh, do you have a question from the mailbag? I do. I'm reading a question from Franklin PUD's assistant general manager, friend of the underground and electric utility enthusiast, Holly Dorman. Holly asks, back in 2012, 2013, the region looked at creating a market for the Pacific Northwest with all of the movement to the EIM and now trying to structure a resource adequacy framework. Is there any thoughts around revisiting the need for a market specifically for this region? Clearly there's a lot of thought going on about that right now. I am a total supporter in markets. I would only caution that markets only work on top of the fundamentally, a fundamentally sufficient market. So that resource adequacy program is utterly key to doing anything else in our region. Uh, and if, if we are, if we understand the depth of the market because we're suddenly on the same planning standard, and if we can assure ourselves that the market is actually adequate, then you can start thinking about layering on top of that some markets where you build good quality um, pricing structures and perhaps an RTO. I, I'm a real believer in an RTO because I have a really hard time seeing how we can continue to sink 
all the renewable build out that the West is seeing to load without having a unified operation of a grid. And I think that's really important. It's, it's one of the most important things we can do to uh, absorb the renewable resource, keep the grid reliable and get it to the consumers that need it. So, yeah. Holly, it's a great question. Thank you for asking it and allowing me to give my unvarnished opinion. Yeah, Holly, great friend of the underground, great question. I wanted to do a little bit of follow-up because you do speak to the value of an RTO in the region. I wanted to ask Therese, do you have more hope, uh, Therese, about market evolution, given what's the RA development in the EIM? And is this put you on the spot too much? And do you want me to pivot to another person? Oh, I'm happy to answer. I, um, I'm really hopeful about market evolution. I, I am. I think consistent with what Susan said, the basic economics will always prove out that there are efficiencies to be gained and lower regional costs when we operate on a wider footprint. The challenge we've always had though is the benefits or risks to individual utilities will be larger or smaller depending on how they are situated. That's kind of why EIM has been successful because it's allowed utilities to make their own decisions rather than require everybody to kind of move together. And maybe there's a lesson in that. I don't know what that lesson is, but maybe there's a lesson in that. But I just want to underscore what Susan said. I 110% agree with her. The Northwest Power Pool Resource Adequacy Program, or whatever moniker, a resource program is critical to future market development. Because organized markets are based on assuring the most efficient use of the assets in the market. But what people fear most about markets is unchecked market power or high prices and volatility that are often the result of not having sufficient resources. So a resource adequacy program can help ensure you have sufficient resources and that the market's just truly optimizing among the participants rather than moderating a bidding war during a time of scarcity. So I, I believe regional participants should focus first on getting a resource adequacy program set up and then think about where to go from there because you've built the foundation. So an RA program is one of the building blocks for the evolution to something else is what I'm hearing from both of you, Susan and Therese? Yes. Okay, this turned into a promo for Northwest Power Pools Resource <laughs> Adequacy Program, which I'm fine with, totally embrace it. I'm here for it. Susan, I am uh, notoriously, I like to promote myself as the friendliest interview in public power. Um, do you want to put Teresa on the hot seat? Do you have any follow-up questions? Um, let's see, oh, Therese. Boy, Therese is such a great and valuable participant in public power. Every time I've been in a meeting with her, I learn something. I feel that strongly about it. Um, all of you actually, um, but I would ask Therese whether, what do you see are the biggest risks to completing the RA task? Uh, I think it's, I think it's, um, it's usually two things, pretty consistently it's two things. It's governance, right? And in governance, and because and we talked about it before, I'm working on governance in EIM, there's a tendency to focus on the lowest probability event, right? Like we're, we're always kind of in the tail events and trying to make it perfect for this low probability event rather than standing back and saying, in the big picture, do we have this about right? Um, and, and just knowing that when you get into these kind of extreme circumstances, hopefully, you know, wisdom will prevail. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, 
it is hard, I think, because we're asked as utilities to look at things, look at the cost benefit on a utility by utility basis. And, and sometimes, right, that will make people uh, make a decision that, that can, can impact kind of the, the broader regional benefit. We know this has regional benefit. Is it enough for every single utility? Um, when they look at it on an individual basis, they might decide, oh, I'm better off acting alone, but the region isn't better off if somebody's acting alone. I got serious and I really support it. Susan, you look like you have a follow-up. <laughs> Put her on the hot seat, Susan. I'm here for it. Okay, and I was just going to just comment a follow-on to Therese that Governance is always the hardest thing in our region. We proved that time and time again. But one of the great things about getting it right, as, as right as we can get it, and we know we're never gonna get everything right, but we can start out. Then you have the basis, kind of the institutional home and the basis for expanding into all these other things. So it's not just the program itself, which I think is substantively important to our region, it's the institution and the governance framework that we can use going into the future. I agree. I love it. We have agreement. We have agreement from great minds and public power. Well done. I feel like we have succeeded in our mission. Next, we're going to Humira. Humira, you got the next mailbag. Hey, thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. That was a good discussion between Susan and Therese. Um, very informative as well. Uh, so Susan, I have a second uh, submittal by Dan Bedberry of Clark Public Utilities. Um, and the question is, the city of Acme was just discovered in the middle of the desert in Utah. And unbeknownst to just about everybody, they have power plants, water systems, gas systems, and provide utility service to over 11,000 residents. And Acme has had one wealthy benefactor who carried the entire cost of providing all of those services. And they have been told to either become an investor-owned utility or a consumer-owned utility. And you have been invited to their first public meeting. Susan, what is the best thing about a PUC or a UTC? And what is the best thing about a consumer owned governed by an elected board citizenry? Can you comment on that? Well, first of all, I want to count on Dan Bedbury. I saw, I saw Matt. I think this is Dan's third question. So he is prolific. And I admire that about Dan so much because he's so bright. You know, every time he opens his mouth, I learn something which is usually that I don't quite understand what it is I learned. But no. um, let me just say that speaking to the good people of the city of Acme, I would say, you know, there are trade-offs with everything. And there are good things to both systems. Myra and I have had this, this conversation off and on in our morning texts back and forth. Um, Capitalism really works. The profit motive really works, but it has to be disciplined. Um, you can't have unregulated capitalism, but uh, a PUC situation could work really well for you as the citizens of the city if, and these are the conditions, you have to have um, confidence in the PUC that's regulating you. 
uh, or, or, uti or utility. The advantage of having a PUC regulating uh, a utility that has a profit motive is that when things go wrong, you can blame the regulator, you can blame the utility, um, you can blame the shareholders. I mean, there are all sorts of places where you can do this, right? The advantage of public power is you get quite a bit more control over uh, the services and the type of utility that serves you because you get to elect the board uh, or influence the board directly without a PUC layer in between. And that's really a good thing. The downside is you're in charge, man, if you get it wrong. You can't blame anyone. You can't blame the PUC. You can't blame the utility because you're gonna, it's your job. So that, that the great thing about public power is it makes people be better citizens, I think, because you have to stay involved and informed. So that's my little answer. Susan, spot on. It's very consistent with our early morning conversations about investor-owned utilities and public power and disciplined capitalism. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Betsy, Betsy, you want to say something? I can feel it. Bring it in. I do. I, I have two questions um, for Susan. Uh, one is a clarifying question about what your statements you just made. Um, and then the second question is like, how do I get in on these Hamira Susan conversations in the morning? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but the Same. clarifying question is, so you, you mentioned, so you were describing the IOUs and, and the benefits of, you described disciplined capitalism. Is that what you describe the regulatory model for IOUs and the PUC as? And therefore, then how do you describe, then what is, public power is that if is that it's not disciplined capitalism is it or is it it's also disciplined capitalism i'm gonna shoot off my mouth here and then let humaira clean up after me which she always does thank you humaira um <laughs> we are also disciplined capitalism because we're regulated by our elected boards you know and there are we're all we're all monopolies in our own service territories, public power and investor-owned utilities. Um, and that's true for public power as well. That is, they don't have a PUC disciplining them, but they've got elected boards disciplining them. Susan, I, love I it. think that's you hit the nail on the head. We'll talk that's, tomorrow that's, morning, Humaira. That's a heck of a cleanup, Humaira. Well <laughs> that's done. right. You guys aren't well, just going to add all of these people to your group thread? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems like the nice thing to do. We've been, you know, like, we're all lifting each other up. It feels like <laughs> being on your group thread would lift us up. I'm just saying. I invited you to my hobble hole. <laughs> I feel like I could get on your group thread. All I'm saying. It feels fair. That was a great, some great mailbag. Uh, thank you all for participating. Uh, thank you all for the, the questions we got from, from Dan and an assortment of others across public power. Great engagement. Since we have Karen and Matt, Karen, the official score creeper for the Anadromous Championship belt, and Matt, the current holder of the belt here, I wanted to do a return count check-in on uh, where we are with the Anadromous Championship return count. So, Karen, are you ready? Um, are you ready for ready. the tally? Let's Let, do it. Let's do this. Yeah, returns are looking good. Uh, people keep coming back, so I keep coming back to keep everyone up to date on our championship belt. Uh, so let's jump right in and recap. 
So we have a bunch of people tied at two appearances. We've got Almaz from Tacoma, Mike Dean, and Scott Sims from PPC, Tomas from Pina, Greg, I'm now a general manager of Mendoza, uh, all tied at two. And then joining them at two, now we've got Crystal uh, from BPA, because you're here, and Megan and Susan, because you're both here. Uh, and then Humira, you jump up to three, because you're here. So you join Mike Lynn from PPC. And then we've got myself, Karen, and Kurt from River Partners, tied at four. But breaking news, Paul, I want to see that banner on the screen when I watch this later. Uh, we have a new champion as of this very episode. Uh, by joining us for the After Dark ep episode, Megan Stratman is the new holder of the Anadromous Championship belt for the Friend of the Underground because you keep coming back. Congratulations, you, Megan. Megan. Congratulations, new champion. An honor. <laughs> it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you, everybody. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> and I've never been happier to lose to anyone in my entire life. Yeti cup. Hey, I mean, I've got my I've got my mini belt too, so you know I'm set. <laughs> and this is a season finale. As much as I wanted to come back, if it doesn't come back, I get to keep them both. <laughs> Megan, your ability to accessorize is remarkable. I know. I should have worn something other than like running shorts. I could stand up and like show it off, but you know, I won't. <laughs> Business up top, people. <laughs> it is wonderful. You have been a great guest, Megan. It has been awesome. Thank you. It's been great coming on. Great to see all you. It's been fun. And Karen, and you're in the heat with Kurt again. I, I do have to say, you know, Paul, back at the very beginning, we were talking about before you even went to the belt, I suggested the coffee mug. So well done, Susan, for getting the limited edition one of one coffee mug. <laughs> well, did. thank you. And congratulations, Megan, on being the new Anadromous Championship. You. Matt, <laughs> remember, we're going to, you're part of the Anadromous Championship circle now. Matt, you're a forever champion. We all, it's, we decided to go with the very inclusive lifting up everyone that's done it. Um, Karen, you are now in, in neck and neck with Kurt again. In I think running. that was the, where we started at the very beginning. Look Clarifying question, Paul, um, who gets to decide if there's a tie? Because if Karen is tied for the lead and also gets to decide who the winner is. I just don't even know who I would pick. I mean, it, it, it would be hard. Yeah. It would <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. And I don't want to put you in that position. That's the whole point of the question. As a I previous know, auditor, is... I completely agree, Matt. Red flag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like PPC has this elaborate voting mechanism for uh, how who gets representation on the board. And the underground, the Andrews championship is much like that. I don't know how anybody wins it, to be quite honest. It's, I just you leave it to I Karen. She counts. PPC's voting rules. <laughs> how, Megan, Susan? Megan sent me a detailed email explaining the PPC voting rules. That is the only way I understood it. Thank you, Megan. Well, there's the uh, infamous Jeff Carr from like 1988. I have that video uh, saved on my desktop. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All those throwbacks from folks who like, you can't even recognize them. I, I have a question. What's a desktop? <laughs> <laughs> What's a CD-ROM? <laughs> okay, that's the that's the Anadromous Championship. Ian, you're, you're doing yep. the outro. If it's my turn to read again, that means it's time for the end of the show. So a special thank you to Susan and our cast of Public Power Characters for joining us in this After Dark excursion. This is the season finale for season two, the sappy season, the season of hope, the corny season. 
Public Power Underground will probably be back for season three, but the power department is changing and evolving. Even if we come back, we'll be different. The promise of innovation and creativity is foundational to the Public Power Underground. To make sure you don't miss the premiere of season three or enter any intervening announcements about Public Power Underground, you should subscribe on all our platforms. Find us on YouTube, Substack, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify by searching for Public Power Underground. Smash those subscribe buttons, and if you have access to Apple device, hit that fifth star and write a quick note. Doesn't have to be profound, just some words of encouragement for all the work we put into two complete seasons. Hope you all enjoyed this diversion. Hope you found hope and fantastic community of public power that have participated. And I hope we've convinced you all to be hopeful for the future of public power. In the spirit of the sappy season finale, our very own Paul Dockery has a Ted Lasso-inspired season finale speech. So look, I... Hey, Paul, did you need that? Oh. Uh, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Uh, we put together a heck of an episode. Nobody may watch it, but y'all definitely shine. You gave the underground 60 minutes of gold. Karen, where are you at? you got more talent than Jamie tart and more joy than Danny Ro Rojas. Give it up for Karen. Yep. <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> I had to unmute myself. Sorry. Go Karen. <laughs> Go Karen. <laughs> Go Karen. Aaron, Aaron just finished her exams for CPA. She's going to be a CPA and she is going to take over as the general accounting supervisor for Klatskanai's People Utility District. And she's a star of Aaron Reports and a co-star of Public Power Underground. Give it up for Aaron. Yep. That's right. Thank you. And what about Susan? Susan survived pop culture references and policy questions. Really brought the right vibe. Give it up for Susan. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. I know this is awkward right here for all of us. There ain't nothing I can say sitting in front of your screen right now that can take that away. Nobody knows how to act in an office. And we get when we get back, everybody and everything at the office is going to be different. Heck, some people have even retired. But please, do me this favor. Look around this Zoom. Look at everybody else in here that got together because of a quick note from a colleague that wanted to make Susan feel valued and appreciated. I want you all to be grateful that you're going through this transition with all these other folks. Because I promise you, transitions are hard, but transitions are harder when you do them alone. Ain't nobody in this Zoom alone. Crystal, do you remember what animal has the longest memory? An elephant. That's right, that's right, an elephant. And Crystal, what do you think we should do when we're feeling sad, alone, or otherwise struggling during this transition? I think we should all be an elephant and remember this community. I agree. Let's get through this now. Let's get through this together. And then we can meet up in person, so close, onward. Bye, everybody.